about the Nicene Creed. Uh, last week, uh, Pastor Trent talked about God, um, almighty creator of all things, and uh, part of his creation is you, and he adores his creation, which means he adores you. Today, we're talking about Jesus. Now, one thing I want to make sure we know and believe, we understand, because we have this creed. It's a bunch of words that people made up in the 300s, and we've been saying them. Uh, they didn't just make them up. They, they got them from Scripture. So I'm going to read through uh, this, the Jesus portion of the Nicene Creed. And uh, at, at first, so you kind of get the gist of it, uh, I'm going to give you some biblical references. I'm not going to read the Scriptures. I'm just going to give you biblical references. You can look them up on your own if you want. So here it is. What do we believe when it comes to Jesus from the Nicene Creed? We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ. That comes from 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3. The only Son of God, Hebrews 1, verse 6. Begotten from the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light. True God from true God, begotten, not made of the same essence as the Father, John 1, 1 John 5. Through him... All things were made. 1 Corinthians 8, verse 6. You're getting it, right? For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. He became incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary. He was made human. He was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. The third day he rose again according to the scriptures. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead. His kingdom will never end. This is the Nicene Creed, the portion about Jesus. These are true things from God's word so that we know where to stand, so we know what to believe, so we can repeat them and know them a gift to the church. Now, repetition. Let's talk about repetition. It is powerful, but when it comes to like churchy things, we often get a little bit like, eh, really? I mean, uh, when, when the worship wars are in their highfalutin strength and people are fighting over hymns versus praise songs, what you hear a lot is, is I can sing of the Lord forever, but just four times, please. Because it gets repetitious, right? When it comes to churchy things, we're like, oh, well, I, do we really need to say that over and over again? Do I need to memorize the scriptures? I've got it right here. It sits on my end table. I can read it anytime. Do I really need to, does it really need to live in us? But as a culture, we're all about repetition. There are things that we are experts in because we hear them and we see them and they give us goosebumps, right? And we don't balk at any of that. Like, like who here would be offended if somebody said, and repeat after me, I pledge allegiance to the flag. And you know the rest. You could just go into it, right? And nobody's like, oh, we, you know, that should be, we shouldn't do that. Or, or you know this. Well, some of you might know this, right? Uh, horse is a horse. Of course you do. Um, Mom always said life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Or this one, this is a more recent one, right? Avengers, assemble. <sighs> and we celebrate repetition when, uh, when we go fishing, right? The, the, the hallmark of being a great fisherman is like being out here, and I don't fish, so I have no idea if I'm doing this right. But you're like, Pee! 
And it lands exactly where you want it. You know, woo, and you catch the fish, right? They're going to be right there. Bee, and then you're a great fisherman. Or, or if, you're, if you're in sports and you're going to shoot baskets, right? You want to be able to go anywhere. Just You're going to do this. You're going to do this. And you're going to do this. And you're going to do it a thousand times. And we celebrate that. How many of us from the heart, and I'm, I'm convicted of this too, from the heart, could say the words of the Sermon on the Mount. If I said, uh, if, if I started this, you'd probably be okay, right? Um, uh, oh, no, I can't even think of how it starts. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. You know that, right? I might even be able to start the Apostles' Creed. We do that enough here that you might know that. For some of you who were steeped in catechism, I could say, what is your only comfort in life and in death? And some of you would be able to go, oh, that I am not my own, but belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. But other than that, we get a little bit funny about it. But it's important. It's powerful. Repetition. The things that are true, we need them. We need them to live in us. God's people have known this for a long time. We know it. We played a game in my uh, previous church in Bentime. Um, I had just turned 40, and one of the gifts they gave me was this big card with 40 Twinkies glued on it in the shape of the number 40. So here I am, 40 years old, with 40 Twinkies, and what am I going to do with them? <laughs> so we played a game the following Sunday where I we were going to talk about love. So I played a, a contemporary song that had love in it, and I played like five seconds. And I said, who can tell me who sang that? And boom, 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 like just within five seconds, like they knew what song that was. And then from the pulpit, I got to spiral Twinkies at people. <laughs> it was great, but they knew it. Just five seconds into a song and they knew the words. They knew who sang it. It's powerful. God's people have known this. In the Old Testament, the Jewish believers would recite the words of God. Every single day, specific words they called the Shema. Pastor Kurt talked about this a couple weeks ago. They would recite them when they got up in the morning. They would recite them when they would go to bed at night. They would speak from Deuteronomy 6 and other uh, scriptures from uh, the first five books of the Bible. They would say these words every single day because it was important, because they wanted their lives to be built on this foundation that hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the doorposts of your houses and your gates. They would say those words every day when they would get up and when they would go to bed every single day that the Lord their God alone was their God. And it was meant to shape them so they would not forget who they were, to whom they belonged. What do you think would happen? Just personally for yourself, what do you think would happen if you would whisper, if you would pray, if you would speak even just those words of the Shema every single day for a week. You think that it would affect your life at all? Listen to this, God's people. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God 
with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength every day for a week. Just that. Would it have an impact? What if, what if you would say those words every single day for a year? Every day. Listen to this, God's people. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Every day for a year. Do you think you might see your neighbors differently? What if you said them every single day for the rest of your life? Listen to this, God's people. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Every day for the rest of your life. Do you think it would be, do you think it would become difficult to begin to worship money or clothes or fame or politics or power or anything of this earth? If you reminded yourself every single day that there's only one God, there's power in the words that we know and the words that we live and the words that are a part of our beating hearts and our souls, the things that we feed on, there's power. And that's why we're talking about the creed. That's why we're talking about God's word as the foundation of our faith, as the baseline of things that we should never forget. I wanna share with you, since we're talking about Jesus, I wanna share with you uh, a passage from God's word that has been formative for me when it comes to understanding who Jesus is. And in its way of telling me who Jesus is, reveals to me who I am. Like I cannot come face to face with who I am because everything I am is, is dependent on who Jesus is. That's what this passage is telling me about. The truth about him is shaping and defining my reality. So let's, let's hear from Colossians chapter 1, starting at verse 15. Uh, scholars seem to think that this might be an old hymn that was sung in the church very early on about Jesus, and Paul writes it down for us. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. In him, all things were created things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Whew. 
All right, I'm gonna pray real quick because I just need that pause and I wanna talk to God about this and then I'm gonna unpack this a little bit for us. Um, Heavenly Father, uh, this is your word and this is kind of mind-blowing stuff and, and we thank you for it. I thank you for revealing to us yourself and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and giving us, no matter what comes in life, a place to stand firm. Help us to stand firm. Speak to us in this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So here it is in God's word, in our creedal statements. I mean, this, this passage echoes what is said in the Nicene Creed. The Nicene Creed echoes what this passage says about Jesus. This is a gift for us, given to us, so we would never forget what's most important about Jesus. We can adopt this as our own. This can be the thing we breathe in and breathe out every single day. That God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus. God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made of the same essence as the Father. Pastor Trent was talking about this uh, last week when he said that wonderful word that none of us remember, homoousius, right? Of the same substance. These are truths we cling to so we don't miss out on what should never, must never be denied what should never be forgotten, these drumbeats on which a faithful life has its foundation, these are our confession. Way more important than when somebody says, are you a Christian? Yeah, I go to church. Way more important than that. Way more important than, you know, you're different than other people. Oh yeah, I live kind of this moral believer life. Way more important than that. These are our confession. That Jesus is everything scripture tells us. He did everything the Bible declares and he will finish what God's word promises. That I would know this. That he is of the same essence as the Father. Through him all things were made. Creation itself is defined by Christ. Everything that was created, it was created through him and for him. Everything. Everything? Everything. Wait a minute. Everything? Everything. Do I have to say it again? Everything was created through him and for him. That seat you're sitting in. Through and for him. The relationships you have in this life, through and for him. That person that sometimes you're looking in the mirror and you don't really like who you're seeing was created through and for Christ. Your spouse, your parents, your children, your boss, your coworkers, that neighbor who drives you insane, who borrowed your mower and you still didn't get it back. They were created through and for Christ. Everything. Which means that every created thing has a purpose. And that purpose is to bring glory to Jesus Christ. And that means that anything that is misused from that purpose is used in sin. Now I'm going to quote a famous preacher from the 1700s. For those of you who have been to seminary, you're going to recognize this. Or for those of you that just love to read preachers from the 1700s. 
This is Jonathan Edwards, and he says this. The sun doesn't willingly shine upon you to give you light to serve sin and Satan. The earth doesn't willingly yield her increase to satisfy your lusts. God's creatures are good and were made for men to serve God with and don't willingly subserve to any other purpose and groan when they are abused to purposes so directly contrary to their nature and end. So he didn't pull any punches on that one. And he's basically saying is very simply this, nothing around me is for me, it's all for Christ. Everything, things visible, trees, clouds, the people who run our government, things invisible, angels, demons, the thoughts in our heads, if it's thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things that exist, exist through and for him. Who? all things. But not only that, not only that, Jesus Christ not only is a part of and instrumental in the creation of all things and they are for him, but he, he also sustains all things. And you heard about this when Pastor Trent last week was talking about God. He was saying that the triune God, if the triune God, that means Jesus, Jesus is part of the triune God. If the triune God stopped even for one moment thinking about you, you wouldn't just die. You would cease to have ever been. He is the one who sustains us completely. What means that he, you are always on his mind. He is always thinking about you, always. You are that important to him. Jesus Christ is before all things and in him, all things hold together. Wait a minute, all things, all things, all things, all things. Give me a number for all. Infinity. There is no number for all. It's all. Most? No, not most. All. In, uh, in our work, I was talking about this in the other, uh, uh, other surface too. Um, Pastor Chris is nodding his head. When we do premarital counseling, we usually advise couples to be really careful with the words always and never. You know, all, always. Um, my lovely wife is right here. And if I say to her that she will always come first, she knows I'm lying. Because I can't do that. I will mess it up. I tend to have things that I'm selfish about, you know, and, and if I, you know, get one of those things that I'm selfish about, I'm like, I want to do that. She's like, wait a minute, I want to come first. I'm like, uh, uh, if I say I will never hurt you, can you believe that? No. She knows better. We've been married for 24 years. She knows better because we're human. Always, never, these are dangerous words. And when you say things like all and always, you better mean them. And here, I don't know if you noticed how often in Colossians 1, in this passage, the word all is said because the Bible means it. He is before all things and in him, all things hold together. All things. He is before all things and in him, this church holds together. He himself is before all things and in him, your relationships hold together. He himself is before all things and in him, your job holds together. He himself is before all things and in him. This is the beauty of repetition. It's gonna be hard to forget this one, right? 
He himself is before all things because in him, think of something, anything. I don't even care what it is. Use your imagination. Think of something that exists, something that's created. He himself is before all things. And in him, what is it? I promise you in him it holds together. How do I promise that? Because he says so. And I believe him. You can't think of something that isn't held together and sustained by Jesus Christ. That means that everything needs him to exist. And that's not all. Not only is everything created through him and for him, not only does he sustain all things because he is before all things and in him all things hold together. But it is through Jesus Christ that God is looking and seeking and going to accomplish the reconciliation of all of creation. There's that word again, all. And that means, that he would even say that means that we need to be reconciled. Do you know what reconciliation is? Um, it's one of those, it's one of those relation words, word we bandy about in the church quite a bit, reconciliation. It means to be brought back into harmony, which means that before God did this with Jesus, our relationship with our Father was not harmonious. In fact, on Easter, what you heard from Pastor Trent was that the radical response of the incarnation, the death and resurrection of Jesus, illustrates to us the radical unharmoniousness of our state, of our brokenness, of our sin. But God was pleased to have all his fullness, all his fullness dwell in Jesus and through him to reconcile to himself, bring harmony again to all things. The only way that there can be peace between God and his creation is through Christ and through the blood of his cross. Without him, without his death and resurrection, we are stuck. All of life, all of creation, all is in desperate need of Jesus. Everything that is belongs to him. Everything that is is there because of him and everything that is is in desperate need for him. And so he came and he bled and he died and then he conquered that grave and someday he will return. He will come in glory to judge the living and the dead. His kingdom will never end. This is true. Do you know it? Do you know it? Because it's breathing in these truths. And breathing them out again into the world around us. That's what changes things. That's what actually makes a difference in a beautiful and positive way. That when these truths are the bread of life for us, when they are the well that never runs dry, when knowing these things, living these things, when we can 
consume them as if we can never get enough. They change us. They change our attitudes. They change the grace that we're willing to offer. They change the the faithfulness by which we respond. They change our choices. They change our lives. And then people look at us and they're like, you're weird. Why? We go, Jesus, we get to be wholly insane for the Lord and it will mess people up and they'll be drawn to it like moths to the flame because we have been altered. We have been changed because these things that have been given to us, these scripture passages, these beautiful truths and the creeds on which they're, uh, that, 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 that are built upon them, when, when we have these, we, we get to move from here with, with our feet firmly planted and no matter what comes, no matter what is uh, chaotic is, is happening in our lives and how overwhelmed we feel, we are never moved and never shaken. And that's why we talk about these things. These things found in the Bible, these things found in our creeds. And we make them our declarations. And I challenge you to let them shape your soul. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. In him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether they're thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things. And in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he would always, 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 always come first. God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through Jesus reconcile to himself all things, whether they're things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, um, Every time, every time I get into this passage, I get into your truth and who you are every time, um, I am again overwhelmed at all that you are. And, and I realize that, that I spend a lot of my time, I spend a lot of my days forgetting that. And I confess that and I repent And I ask for your help not to forget today just how amazing you are, how important you are, and how abundant is your love that sustains every moment of every life. 
thank you for your faithfulness and for your glory and for your love. In your precious name we pray. Amen.